0: For the second in my circular talks about odds and ends with London connections, we'll start and end with that most British of drinks, tea. For centuries, nothing defined the British like a good cup of tea. Only recently has tea been knocked off its perch by baristas, flat whites, cappuccinos and the daily coffee habit. It may no longer be number one, but you can't take the tea out of our history. Next time you're in East Cheap, just near Monument Tube Station, look up at the building on the corner of Lovett Lane. On a stone frieze, you'll see three heavily laden camels trekking across the desert. They're publicising Camel Brand Tea, and the building was once owned by Henry Peake, the largest tea wholesaler in the country in the 1860s. Harder to see, and slightly off message, are the bones of a deceased camel half buried in the sand. William Seed, incidentally, who sculpted the frieze, went on to grander things, sculpting Victoria, Albert, other members of the royal family, and Albert's death mask. Henry Peake wanted some of the next generation to start a business which would be complementary to tea. What else? But biscuits. He failed to persuade any of his sons, but eventually a George Freen, who had married one of the nieces, agreed to the plan and Peak Freen was born, manufacturer of biscuits, creator of twiglets, bourbon creams, and Garibaldi biscuits. Their factory was south of the river in Bermondsey, the scent of baking resulting it being known locally as Biscuit Town. It was a major local employer. Women working there in the 1930s received a wedding present of a pound weight of fruitcake for every year they'd worked for the firm, with a silver knife to cut it. The Peak Freen trademark is still used abroad, and you can, of course, still buy twiglets, Bourbon creams, and Garibaldi biscuits. These, more familiar to many of us as fly cemeteries, were made to celebrate the great Italian's triumphal visit to London. One of Peak Freen's biggest orders came in 1870, when it supplied biscuits for ration packs for soldiers fighting in the Franco-Prussian War. When the siege of the city of Paris was lifted, The city authorities ordered 16,000 tonnes of biscuits as a celebration, bringing to mind that famous let-them-eat-cake suggestion of earlier years. Sadly, these were not a selection of chocolate fancies, but very solid half-inch-thick biscuits, six inches square. What the Parisians thought of them is not recorded. But while Paris was still under siege, people had starved. Rats were on sale at one franc each, one franc fifty for a large one. The Paris Zoo, which could no longer afford to feed its inmates, ate them. Guests at an infamous Christmas Day banquet were served dishes including wolf thigh, bear steak and roast camel at l'anglaise. No, I don't know what that is either. And rats made their appearance on the menu as a garnish for casserole cat. Despite centuries of squabbles between England and France, there have always been individuals who made a success of life in the other country, and one of these was Auguste Escoffier, the King of Chefs and the Chef of Kings, who later ruled the kitchens at the Savoy. As a young man, he was in the army during that Franco-Prussian War, though he avoided the siege of Paris, serving in the Catering Corps and running up five-course meals in the field for the officers. Escoffier came to London to run the Savoy kitchens, where he invented Melba toast and peach Melba for the Savoy's celebrated client, Australian opera singer Nellie Melba. And he fulfilled a long standing ambition by tricking the British into eating frogs' legs, long despised in this country. The diners didn't recognise them, masked in a pale pink sauce listed on the menu as nymph's size aurora. But I'm getting diverted from my next link, which is those rats. In the 19th century British Navy, food at sea might be pretty grim, but generally it was a different story when provisions could be bought in port. Not so in the West Indies, as vegetables and wheat were hard to find. There's an account of rats being caught in the hold overnight by the sailor in charge. Cleaned and dressed like sheep in a butcher's shop – how big were those rats? The buyer just had to put on pepper and salt and grill them, nice and delicate eating. The rats were feeding off ships' provisions, so, as one consumer said, they were as good as rabbits. But why were provisions so scarce? Because the land was almost exclusively planted with sugarcane, and one of the reasons sugar, grown by slaves, was so much in demand by Europeans was to sweeten the taste of coffee, chocolate, and of tea. You can hear more about biscuits, escoffier and tea, though not about rats, on my foodie walks on Saturday mornings. Hope to see you then.